where the fun begins. A long time ago, in a galaxy far, far away. This is Rebel Force Radio. Your source for the Force. Star Wars news and commentary. With Jason Swank and Jimmy Mack. I've seen Star Wars 500 times. Star Wars number one. This station is now the ultimate power in the universe. I suggest we use it. Now it's time for Rebel Force Radio. We would be honored if you would join us. Two in a row, Jimmy Mac. I'm on a streak. <laughs> you were saying that I owed you. You were keeping score of all the times that I haven't been around when you needed me. And I'm just, I'm just here to say two in a row. All right. Rebel Force Radio for May 31st, 2013. So glad you could be with us. Glad to be with you. You are in the right place if you want to hear about Star Wars. And we got a great show coming up for you with a couple of very special guests. will be joining us here in just a bit. But I have to ask, Jim, the, uh, the intro on uh, Rebel Force Radio. Star Wars number one. Who says that? Who is that? <laughs> well, I can tell you it's from a news clip going back to 1999 when Star Wars The Phantom Menace was released. And it's just something I've always had in my sound archives. It's a random fan yelling Star Wars number one as he emerged from the premiere screening of episode one. Star Wars number one! Kind of a, kind of a fanboy's moment, wasn't yeah, it? That's a nugget. It's a nugget from the past right there. But, uh, you know, a lot of people want to deride Films like the Star Wars prequels, specifically Star Wars Episode One, but um, I saved all the coverage from the night that film opened, and people streamed out of that movie theater gushing over that film and just how great it was to be back in that universe, to be seeing characters going through the hero's journey, to be seeing them wielding their lightsabers, fighting exotic aliens and droids, and meeting all these weird new characters and seeing these cool new worlds and the cool technology that surrounded it all. People loved it they love the return of star wars but you know how people like to pile on and once uh the internet gets uh behind something and makes it unfashionable then a lot of people want to join that party and they take back what they initially thought about the film yes a lot of it was sort of the morning after and you know they had their minds made up when they saw the film and then the next day they wake up and they read the papers and you know of course the critics were all talking about the movie that wasn't there as opposed to the movie that was there in a lot of cases and so that's that's what happened but um be that as it may i will see if uh history repeats itself as we get nearer and nearer to the release of uh of episode seven we've got some episode seven news coming up for you later in the program but first we did want to get some uh, reaction. Now that you've had a chance to see Return of Return of the Jedi, we actually have the director here with us, good friend of ours, Kyle Newman, joining us. Welcome back, Kyle. Hello, Rebel Force Radioers. So the 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 what do you call your fans? Uh, what do we what do we RFRers? RFRers. We call them nuts, insane forcers, rebels, rebels. All right, I like that. The rebels. Yes, Although I don't think that we can rebels. actually, you know, I, I said last week, I don't know that we can claim that, but we'll try. We'll try. But uh, no, it, the, the Ewok is out of the bag. Um, people are now able to see your uh, tribute, Kyle, to Return of the Jedi. It's at uh, EW.com. And so now that 
it's uh, out there for everyone to see. You can actually talk about it. Are you happy with how it turned out? I am beyond happy. I thought we got a great group of people together um, who really, you know, we did this thing for zero dollars and not a lot of time. When you're making a movie, you either need you need time, money, or power. You know, <laughs> and we didn't have the time or the money, but we did have the power of all these fans coming together to make it happen, to all dedicate a little bit of time, get in front of the camera. And we recorded almost eight hours of, you know, 18 different fans, you know, celebrity fans talking about Star Wars, musicians, actors, writers, producers, directors. And so that's because everyone had this shared love of Jedi. So that made it really easy. And and because I love it so much, that made it extremely easy to put the time in and get it done on such such a short notice. So I, I was so glad. We had a great um, color timist in the end who who brought the footage look to another level. His name was Sean Wells and JC Reifenberg was the cinematographer who also produced it. And uh, you know him from Hughes the Force and Jeff Yorks was our editor and Jeff also produced it and you know he's like, he did some of my behind the scenes for fanboys and he also did the Drew documentary. Mm. And right. also David W. Collins, you know, um, came on. He became one of the producers and also he uh, did the final mix. And David is actually working right now on a final mix for the special edition. Oh, there, what's a Star Wars film without a special edition? And that will be up this week at StarWars.com where it will live. And maybe it'll make an appearance at Celebration for some European fans. We don't know. Um, so a special edition, so a, an extended version is what you're saying on Star Wars? It's an extended version. Uh-huh. It's different. Yes, it's a uh-huh. different cut. It's longer, at least a minute longer. And um, you know, I felt like for the first EU thing, EW thing, we were trying to make it short and tight as possible. But there were still some things that we, we left out just for time, you know, right. and I think – now that people have seen it and, you know, EW is maybe a format for everyone, casual fans, but StarWars.com, it can, it can be a little longer and people might get a few more references and um, so it can breathe a little more. So we added yeah. some some more observations in. It's maybe another like 50 or 60 shots, you know, but it's, right. it's the pace it's that we, we cut it at. It's, you know, it's a flurry, but it's it's really fun new stuff. Kyle, Kyle, you've been really fortunate, you know, whether it's fanboys or this project, that you seem to get to work with the people that you want to work with. Is it that Star Wars just kind of knocks down those barriers once you say this is a Star Wars project or it's related to Star Wars? Everybody wants to play. I think it is probably that. That's a big factor. Um, I mean, obviously, they want to hang with you. But I can be persuasive and I am a good salesman, so I can uh, – I feel like if I set my sights on something, I can, can tend to get people excited about becoming a part of it. So, But I think in this case, Star Wars is a big thing and these people had some general true love for Return of the Jedi and you can tell that it impacted them. Because there's – at a certain point in people's lives, there's the movie – like I was aware of Star Wars before Jedi, but I was, at, I was seven when Jedi came out. So I was at the right age where I finally became aware that it was also – a movie and people 
did this for a living and you start to become aware that there's special effects because before that you're just looking at it as like amazing story and it's hard to see it that it's an amazing story but someone made this i think star wars introduces a lot of professionals well potential professionals to the world of filmmaking i never even knew what a director was until i saw the original star wars back in 77 it makes you want to know how they did it you want to figure out how everything was done. And so it yeah. helps break down those barriers and actually start to learn it for yourself. And Kyle, I know you're a perfect example of someone who is so influenced by Star Wars that it's really propelled you professionally. Absolutely. You know, I was talking to Eli Roth, who we filmed, and he was going on and he was this, this amazing stuff. It couldn't all make it in. But these people would talk for a while about why they loved it. And he busted out this book from when he was – in like grammar school, like really early on. And he was just showing me all his drawings of the original Star Wars and his versions of it. And also what he made up fake movies and real movies that would be the trailer before it. And it also veered into Exorcist and stuff like that. But you could tell <laughs> this, his book was about Star Wars. And then he got into all these other movies because of it. And he was also like behind the scenes of his fake movies. And this is him as a little kid. You could say this is what made him want to become a filmmaker. And same thing, Kevin Smith. I mean, it's it's like undeniable and Seth Green is a you know a creator and a talent and he's doing stuff that's still obviously involved with Star Wars but it's all started because at a kid you're you take to it and then you get fascinated by the the art and craft of, of filmmaking that's amazing that Eli was able to save those drawings from when well he had it ready he brought it out and he was flipping through it and we filmed it I mean it's, it's really some incredible stuff he was absolutely obsessed with Star Wars, and that's why he's uh, doing what he does today. Now, when Jason introduced you guys, he said the Ewok was out of the bag, and it immediately think of one of my favorite parts of the film. And to me, the biggest reveal of the whole thing is Jamie's attitude toward Ewoks. I would have never have guessed, Jamie, <laughs> that you are anti-Ewok. They're like... Gross gremlins <laughs> with loincloths. <laughs> they do. Sticks. They do eat people. Let's just let's remind. Like everybody. everyone's like, oh, I want them. Ewok is my pet. They're so cute. They're not. They're scary little dirty monsters that probably smell like an old Chewbacca costume that's one <laughs> wears every single day. It'd probably be like owning a dog and going to bed. And realizing that your dog was plotting how to kill and cook you <laughs> while you sleeping every night. So jerks. So Jamie, as a girl, did you look up the Princess Leia as a hero? And did you say to yourself, why is she getting seduced by these strange teddy bears? <laughs> I think when I was younger, I mean, my mother was obsessed with Star Wars. I think when I was younger, it was... It was everything about it. It was that it wasn't necessarily like Princess Leia, but it was also about like each character and like their own personal journey that was so cool to me. The idea that it didn't matter whether you were a boy or a girl, that you could be strong and you could, you know, live up to your fullest potential. I have a question. Princess Leia, she steps out of Wicket's love den. She's already got her hair braided. <laughs> Is this the first time Wicket's seduced? Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You're the second one to use that word here. Yes. Seduce. What am, I, what am I not seeing? She comes out. She's what movie got a are you watching? Leather outfit. Like all slave, like think about like any movie or like any history. No, like when they have like Wicked's a geisha house. or like coming into like kind of like, you know. Wicket's like, arr, arr, and she goes inside and he braids her hair for her and he's got a. <laughs> <laughs> he has servants in the back. 
Yeah. Wait a minute. For there to braid the hair. Oh, I'm sure they were checking her teeth and picking her hair for knits and things like that too. You know how when like like Game of Thrones or like anything like that, they're like go wash so and so and get them prepared. Yes, yeah. right. Yes, that's you know what, what they did back then. Yes. Before right. the slaughter type thing. Right. <laughs> yeah, well, Rick, Wiki was back and he was like saying dibs, dibs, and he's like poking everybody with his stick out of his way. <laughs> All right, you're taking this to a place that I have never gone before. Even in my it's most on perverted, screen. she's like, <gasps> like she's caught, <laughs> busted. Maybe she's caught because she's in that sexy outfit. Well, she was like caught red-handed hanging out with her new boyfriend, Wicket. Ew. Wicked. Yeah, that's why he blinks so much now. <laughs> there's, there's a new Ken- there's a new two pack for you, Hasbro. <laughs> See, I thought that I looked like a jerk because I watched it, and everyone else is like, "Oh, I want to cuddle, I want to cuddle with an Ewok," Look, and I'm the only one that's like, "I don't like Ewoks." I would like. Am I the only person that didn't that was like freaked out by them? Well, I, there are a lot of people I mean, that didn't like the Ewoks, but I, but but to be actually repulsed by them, I I I would say that you're a, 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 well, a small group. They there's don't a freak you out. No, there's a difference between not liking them. Just because you're like, I don't like them because I think they're cute, which I think is a completely invalid argument. They kill and they eat you and That's they're about to saying. eat your heroes. I wouldn't look at them like they showed up and they weren't like hugging their legs immediately. They had to earn right. it. They, and the second thing is – Leia had to earn it. Is you have to look at a story perspective and Jamie's not saying she dislikes them on a story level. She's just saying that she wouldn't trust one of them in the house. Exactly. In the house. Wanted as a pet. Right. And that was the context of my question. So she's saying, I was like, would you have an Ewok as a pet? And she's like, I don't like Ewoks. I wouldn't wouldn't trust one. You know, that's the Mm. context of, it's not like, I don't like Ewoks. They're a really bad plot device. George, no, no. Kill himself. How did it get to that part? Well, because that's, there's people out there. There's people out there that that's what they think. They said, that's crazy. Nuts though. There's people that say there hasn't been a good Star Wars movie since Empire Strikes Back. those people are stupid. Sorry. So, so Jamie, you're talking about sort of a more of an in-universe perspective. Like, hey, if I'm in the Star Wars universe and I see one of these uh, smelling, aren't I things, in the Star Wars universe? Yeah, right. We all live in there. I, in my brain, I am in the Star right, Wars. So, universe. so in my brain of being in the Star Wars universe, no, I would not want an Ewok as a as a pet, as a, a lover, a lo- <laughs> as. <laughs> A bestie. Wait, I will say this: in the extended edition, you are going to get Jason Mewes's perspective on. Oh, with a lot of f bombs. No, this is a good one. This one's PG about how what he would maybe do if he had an Ewok in the house. Oh boy! Oh boy! Dope. So, all right. Uh, so, That's so that. I would tune into the the extended cut this week. It's going to be a fun one. So it's shown up on StarWars.com when. Um, I think it's going to be maybe end of the day, Wednesday, or oh. maybe it's going to be Thursday. It's definitely this week. So okay. this is going this up go, when? This, Friday? This goes up Friday, so, so it'd be next so week. it's pretty right? online. What are you doing? Oh, it's already to- online. Okay, all Press right. So pause, this week. Go watch it at StarWars.com. Okay, so you, you mentioned that there was a pretty quick turnaround on this project. So from beginning to end, how much time did you have? And, you know, did the phone just ring? And they're like, hey, Kyle, we're looking for uh, a video to play before the, the big uh, Entertainment Weekly screening. How did, how did it come about? Well, actually, here's how it happened. Um, Jeff Boucher, who uh, works at EW, he used to do um, the Hero Complex for the LA Times. Mm-hmm. And he's, he hosted the 30th anniversary of Empire. 
uh, which I went to, and you know, he interviewed the cast and stuff like that. And he's he's like a big Star Wars fan. He's a movie buff, and he's into a lot of the same stuff. And he called me up maybe in March and said, "Hey, we're going to do a screening. Um, maybe we could figure out something for you to do." And he threw out a couple of different ideas. And at that point, because I've got another project that's starting to get moving, this. Um, this other film. So I just had to really gauge my schedule to see, do I have time? How fast is this thing going to go into a pre-production? Um, and will I, can I, can I commit to something not, you know, if I'm going to do it, I need to have the time to do it completely and right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was kind of riding the line really tight and I was like, finally about 10 days before I realized there was enough, I had a window where I could and it wouldn't impact what else I was doing. Um, so that's when I started to make some, frantic calls and say, you know, it's going to happen. Can you do it? Or can you still do it? Cause I put out some feelers just to see if people were interested and available. So did you sure. have a concept that you came up with or were, were you kind of being guided um, by, uh, yeah, so he had said, what about something, you know, like where were you invader died? Like a, a simple mm, kind of question. Gotcha. Gotcha. Right. Um, where were you? Invader died? I just felt if I wanted to do this, it needed to be a little bigger, uh-huh. have a little more scope. I wanted to talk to more people. I wanted to really, in a comedic and fun way, almost like a roast, see the way it affected mm. everybody's lives, but still pay homage to it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I asked people a lot of similar questions or variations of questions to just kind of find, did people have epiphanies about the same things? Did they experience it the same way with the similar observations, emotional reactions and quirky insight into it and strangely people had the it was almost like rhythms where people would like hit on the same things and go into the same topics and and that's kind of how the narrative i mean i structured it by what questions i asked but the narrative took its own shape based on where people really responded to and those are where we focus you know the extended edition has an area with with dagobah which i thought came out great but we didn't have time to really finesse it before the final cut was done that we screened and Mm -hmm. And went online, but we got to put that in for this extended cut. But that was something else people wanted to talk about. But Akbar and Salacious Crumb and the 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 notion of sacrifice and redemption thematically and and just also So these so these ideas came about kind of organically through talking to these folks. Well, I asked people or- that these are things that res- I mm-hmm. responded to and I would ask people once, but I noticed that where I was getting the responses were to not all the questions. I mean there's maybe like 12 questions and like eight of them were getting all the same kind oh, of energy. Gotcha. And gotcha. Right, right. You right. know, they so, were like the, those were the, that was the crux of everyone's Jedi experience, you know, Akbars and Ewoks and Jabba. And these were also the visually new and intriguing and exciting and memorable stuff that came out of it. And obviously Star Wars has that core and the Return of the Jedi went back to it just like the other films did where it's about friendship and it's about growth and um, ideas of fate and stuff like that. But what was – what we tried to focus on what was exclusive to Return of the Jedi. Was uh, that difficult was keeping people focused? Summer. You know, because when you start talking about Star Wars, uh, you, you kind of – it all sort of bleeds together. Was it, was it difficult to kind of keep people focused on you know, Return of the Jedi-centric ideas? Well, yeah, we kept going back to it as as the the line of questioning, and it was always going back to this uh, Jedi centric questioning. But it's hard for people; they it all blends together. People want to naturally talk about how much they love Star Wars, and not just oh, I like this specific 
thing, but not the rest. It was on an emotional level, on a spiritual level, it's seen as one big story. And, you know, for me, what's interesting is as Return of the Jedi gets maligned for being, oh, it's just a happy ending and Jedi is so dark. And it's just not that – it's not that case. And I think even – I mean I watch it all the time and in the back of my head, I start believing what people say about it. And I'm like, oh, yeah, it's it's the the third act of that trilogy. It's just – it's the happy conclusion. And I have to remind myself. I'm like, no, it's not. Like I go back to my ideas on it where it's like Luke says a big – F you to his father figures, his mentors. He doesn't listen to anything they say. They give him advice, and again, Obi-Wan and Yoda are wrong. He throws it out the window. He's like, I'm not going to kill him. I'm going to throw my weapon aside, and love is going to defeat him. And he puts complete and utter faith in that and rejects the original Jedi code. He even rejects – even Yoda and Obi-Wan have had 20-plus years to meditate on their folly of how they messed up, and they still got it wrong. And Luke is right because it's such a serious unbalance of the force. And here we can we can see where some ideals of that's brave storytelling. That's bold. That wasn't an easy thing. You could have just had your main character. They say go be this and go put your faith in him. We were. It's about as your hero kind of forging his own path, but still in a collision course with his fate. Exactly. And and, and, and also, what I'm what I'm saying here, Kyle. Before yeah. I lose thought, is is that. Um, where the prequel trilogy was able to sort of fill in the blanks for us as far as this sort of idea that Yoda and Obi-Wan, two characters that we give hero status to, we put them up on a pedestal, and they seem to be the all-out authority on all things with the Force and whatnot. It's nice that the prequels was able to fill in the blanks a little bit and tell us, yes, they are those people, but their ability to use the Force had diminished and with the unbalance in the force and the fact that the dark side was clouding the Jedi's nature to actually tap into the force, you can see where they started to go down the wrong paths and why you needed someone who was, for lack of a better term, a, a force using pure blood like Luke Skywalker to see through the BS and to figure out the right way to go about doing it. So, yeah, Yoda and Obi-Wan were wrong from a certain point of view. Yeah, and then on top of it, the other bold decision, which people forget, is that Darth Vader, at that point, before that movie came out, he was the most iconic villain of all time. And what did they choose to do in that movie? They took something they had in their pocket as the scariest villain ever, and they flipped it on its head. And he suddenly became a hero. And that was our first inkling of Anakin and his redemption. And now the greatest villain of all time suddenly becomes – we take it secondhand now. It's like nothing. Oh, yeah, he takes up his home and he's good, blah, blah, blah. You took the greatest villain of all time and you made him the return of the Jedi. He's actually the balancer of the force, not Luke. It was just Luke had love for him. And that's a pretty brave thing to do in 1983 when you've already got the most successful film franchise, you're also going and rethinking the story and reframing how you're supposed to feel about a villain for a generation of kids. It was very bold stuff. And people that reduce it to child fare are – they're just negligent. It's just, it's just a bad assessment of that film, which is a very brave and bold film in my opinion. Maybe like not say, technically I- in some ways. Ph- photography, stuff like that, maybe people say it's a little bit simpler. But you can't, you can't malign the story. 
of Return of the I Jedi. I would say that some fans take it for granted that when Vader's helmet comes off, boom, pop, he's instantly a good guy. And it's something we've talked a lot about on the show is when did Anakin Skywalker actually die, as Obi-Wan Kenobi puts it. We know when he was reborn. It was at that moment when he, he redeemed himself, when he saved his son's life and wiped out the Emperor. We know that's when he is reborn, but when is that point where we can take Obi-Wan literally and say, yes, Anakin Skywalker ceased to exist and become Darth Vader? You have some strong opinions on this. Guy. And I've been thinking about this a lot. I know you guys have talked about it on your show. And I think there's actually visual parallels in the two movies. And George does everything in these uh, with these motifs. And there's a scene, obviously, at the end of Return of the Jedi where Anakin redeems himself. And it's a, tr- it's a trinity scene where there's two characters in mid-conflict. Force lightning is even involved. There are two different perspectives on display. And what he does is he gets involved as a third bystander and makes a decision to go a different direction. And he breaks the Emperor's hold on him. And he makes a decision unlocked by Luke. And at that moment, he returns and he becomes a Jedi. He's redeemed himself and he dies the Jedi. And that's part of the title and, and the, the layers of Return of the Jedi. And in his genesis, it's in that scene in Palpatine's office where there are two perspectives. There's the Sith has now finally reared its head and the, the figurehead of the Jedi come to police it. And they're head to head and Anakin has to make a decision. And he makes a decision to side with the Emperor and the Sith, whereas in the other, in Return of the Jedi, in that same visually similar scene, he makes a decision to go the different direction, and they parallel each other. And right after that, Anakin collapses on the ground, and he is a blank slate, and he gives himself up emotionally. He's spent. He's been pushed to the brink by both the Emperor and the Jedi, manipulating him, using him for their their needs. And he breaks, and he commits himself, and he is anointed. He is on screen, henceforth, you will be known as the dark side speaks to the emperor. It's even supported and supplanted in the novelization. And at that point, he becomes Darth Vader. Everything else is a costume change. And I know people want to say it's when he's burned. And that's another layer. That's like another step in his path in the dark side. But the costume itself is a superficial aspect of it. And yes, maybe it burns it into him and it cements it. But he is anointed there, and it's because he makes a decision, and he's redeemed in an equally parallel scene in Return of the Jedi in a similar situation where the two perspectives are head-to-head at their peak, and he has to make a decision. And that's what I think is, is the, the two turning points of it. Well, that's probably well, that's one of the best easy. answers I've ever heard to that question, to tell you the truth. So I'm glad and, you've been working with it. Visually, if you really look at it, it's he's created – the same scenario where the character is the third party in the room and the two most important people are head to head and one or the other is going to prevail and when he does make a decision it changes the tide of the galaxy and Anakin is not actually making a decision when he's laying on the ground burned without legs there's no decision involved right. he's actually the choice and the transition happens much earlier and it's in Palpatine's office and that's when it happens. The rest of it is, it's like a costume change. Well, someone else that has uh, some thoughts I'm sure about the legacy of Return of the Jedi uh, joining us right now from the, I think from the freeway 
or from uh, I don't know his beachfront property somewhere. Steve Sansweet, are you are you are you there, Steve? Hello. Okay, I think he's there, Steve. Yes, me. All right. Uh, we got a really crummy connection. I'm going to try calling you right back. Okay. So stand by. We've got some interference, and we know that a communications interruption can only mean one thing. Um, Steve doesn't know how to use Skype yet. That's, that's what I mean. No, I'm kidding. Kidding. Of course he knows how to use Skype. We're going to try to get him back. Um, Steve wanted Do you guys to like that theory? Love the theory. It's beautiful, and it's, it's, it's now my go-to answer. For sure. It's my answer. Uh, that's much better. The storm has subsided, uh, at least. Uh. It has. It has. Uh, Steve Sansweet joining us, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, welcome back to Rebel Force. Actually, welcome to Rebel Force Radio, Steve. This is your first first time on the new show. It's my first time. Oh, I'm a virgin. <laughs> yeah, uh, it takes you back, doesn't it? <laughs> Actually, even though I brought it up, so yes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> You're the one that brought it up. Uh, we're still having a little bit of problems. Steve, are you in your office by chance? Are you on a on a like an like an iPhone with Skype on it? Hello. Uh, we're having some technical difficulties. Uh, Jimmy Mac, perhaps uh, you might be able to reach Steve. Just find out what's going on there. Yeah, that would be that would be splendid. So, Kyle, I, I got to ask you at the end of the day. Um, Star Wars, obviously, six chapters in uh, an incredible saga. And you said that we kind of take for granted uh, Return of the Jedi. This has been a this has always been tough for me because this was the first one I ever I have a vivid memory of seeing in the theater. This is the one that really kind of established the characters for me as a kid, and it's always been what I call my sentimental favorite. And but it does seem to be sort of the the forgotten. Of the three, you know, you have the people that just 77 was a life changing moment. You've got the folks that say Empire Strikes Back was the the first great sequel, uh, maybe since Godfather Two. where does what's the legacy of Return of the Jedi for you? I think it's an ever expanding legacy because I do feel like the more I watch Jedi, especially just revisiting it and thinking about it. Um, nonstop for two weeks from every angle and through these other people's perspectives, I began to realize that so much of where Luke may be going is not where it is in the EU. Um, whereas Luke, I don't think he would reset up a Jedi order knowing the mistakes they made and knowing that he, even at the, in the final hour, his elders and his mentors, he still had to evolve past them to the next level. He was like Star Child in 2001. He's the next evolution. He wouldn't go back and just start an order. I think he sh- he would realize the detriment in that and a lot of the same ideals. I think he'd be at odds with any surviving Jedi in terms of the way forward. He has lived and seen a different method and that is that love is at the core of it. And even the lessons that Yoda and Obi-Wan learn from Qui-Gon when you look at it, it was George was going to the point where to get to that greater place the why anakin in his mindset could never get there is anakin um and that's why he went to darth vader was because he never it was the idea of love that got you to a point that the sith would never understand and that's where anakin also um finally gets to at the end and that's what luke discovered and i think you're gonna see a different seven eight nine 
you can't just look to the EU to say that's where 7, 8, and 9 should and will go because I think knowing the way George's mind works and people like Lawrence Kasdan being back in it, it's going to go in a place that we're not expecting. And I actually think that Star Wars um, reclamation, talking about Luke as a kind of character like the Shade, I think that's much more in line with where Luke would exist in the larger picture. So Much you, more aware of his power and what it could do and how you'd almost have to take a step back knowing that look at what the Force and Force users did to the galaxy. He's not so bold to impose himself on it again. And I think the EU goes in an interesting direction, but I think 789 are going to go in a different, more George direction. So you, think that, that, so you, you think that there are uh, plenty of the, – the, the, let me put it this way. You think that the clues that are to be gleaned – for the direction that 789 are heading is, is, is not going to be found in the EU books, rather, but in the, in the films themselves. I would say the EU is actually farther away from where it would go if George was mapping it out um, than, than, uh, than what we see. Yeah. It's it's a little too neat, isn't it? In some ways, you know, they all have kids, and then they. It's not even that it's neat. It's that the people who mapped it out, you know, I loved it, reading it my whole life. It's like it's history to me. I, I love the uh, the EU. I, I know it all, every corner of it. But looking at it back, and then learning more about George as a human being, and and the creation process, and reading, making of books, and everything I know about it, and then really looking at it again, just him as as a storyteller. It's too easy. He would not go that way with Luke. There's actually, if you really look at it, you're like, what is the growth in that? How is that even an interesting story, the direction Luke took in the EU? And it's easy. It's just, oh, I'm going to start it all over again and everything's going to be good and you're going to get some brown robes too. It's, it, it, no, it had to evolve. And for George to even want to tell 789, it has to be different and exciting. And it has to be something that's challenging. And it has to be, and it was always about something that was going to, and then reading about where he wasn't going to go with 789. So my conjecture would be it's going to be something unexpected and fresh. And it's going to challenge what we know. And Jedi, Return of the Jedi, is the beginning of that, of who Luke is going to become and what the galaxy is going to look right. like. I, I, a lot of the EU just sort of became, uh, over time, just sort of repeating the same thing over and over again. You know when you're so, at a dinner and they keep bringing out bread and you eat it because you're waiting for the main course? Yeah. The EU's been a lot of bread for 30 years. <laughs> a lot Where's of good the beef? Bread. Where's the beef, says Kyle. But uh, I'm waiting for the George meal. And right. I know that he's going to have his fingerprints all over this and it's going to be delicious. Uh, Chef George is cooking up something live. <laughs> It's going to taste a lot better than the bread. Uh, well, this is uh, this is all very exciting. I love, congratulations on the movie. It, it's so cool to see you actually, um, you know, doing more and more of that kind of stuff and bringing your passion to Star Wars and combining it with your your uh, your mad skills as a filmmaker and 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 certainly probably one of the most uh, the thought leader I think when it comes to to Star Wars today. You you make more sense than I don't know. Uh, just about anybody I, on the I topic. love coming on and talking with you guys. I get inspired. I love it when you bring on David Collins and Paul Bateman and Sam Witwer. I think there's a you know a very intelligent 
stalwart community that looks at it for, yeah, well, obviously everything has shortcomings, you know, and it's sure. a creative medium and people make choices and then what, uh, there could be other choices. But I think you guys always have some really great and exciting people on to talk about it. And I always love listening to hear different perspectives. And I go home and I think like you guys had this thing, like when did Darth Vader become Darth Vader? And the more I thought about it was I, I could go both ways. I hear what Jimmy was saying and blah, blah, blah. But I think it's all about choice and when characters make choice, you know, and then right. you look at that and when did Anakin really make a choice and when, and then you look at the parallels and the way George thinks is a storyteller and everything has these moments, these mirror images. And, and that's, you look for those moments. What are the two moments that balance each other and mirror each other? And there they are. So it, it all like illuminates itself, the more you study it and understand it. And, you know, and, yeah. and making a film like this, it was just fun because you just get to immerse yourself in it. You know, you talk to all these really great people who are your peers and who inspire you and they all have these same childhood memories. And you all started the same place. So it was really, I mean, that's awesome. And you, I mean, and I, I keep trying to get away from Star Wars, not that, to get away from it, but I want to do other things, you know, and everything <laughs> brings me back. And then this new movie I'm about to do, fortunate enough, I, like Sam Jackson's going to be in it. So I'm like, Mace Windu, I'm going to get to work with him now, you know? That's so a, yeah. like, it always goes back to Star Wars. Always. You know, it's going to follow you probably. It's worse things that could follow no, you throughout I, your I agree. career. I'm so. happy. Of course. So the film is barely lethal. That goes in front of cameras in August. Uh, when can we expect a release date on that? Oh, it's going to be 2014. I don't know exactly when. Hopefully, like a back to school thing, 2014. Um, but it's, you know, blessed to have somebody like Sam coming on board and also Haley Steinfeld, who's in True Grit and got nominated for an Academy she's Award. Awesome. And she's just incredible. She and is. I'm sure there'll be one or two Star Wars references in there somewhere. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, there better be. And so that's coming in 2014. Also, we can expect Star Wars Rebels in 2014. I'll give you one minute to give us your opinions of that project. Uh, Star Wars Rebels, I think it's going to be fantastic. Um, I would say it would be a level less of fantastic if Dave wasn't involved. But the fact that Dave is involved... Um, as an EP, and I hope eventually as a supervising director, um, you know, just dramatically the way he handled everything with um, casting and voice recording everything and kind of uh, shepherding it and also funneling, you know, George's vision and telling stories the way George would want them told, not just, you know, the way Dave would say want to tell them as a fan, but understanding the way George thinks and ticks and works. Um, there's no greater living. Um, breathing incarnation of Star Wars, you know, next to George, other than you know, than Dave himself. I think Dave gets Star Wars better than than anybody out there, and he's been doing it for years. So, the fact that it's Dave and a fresh new era of Star Wars that I think all audiences want to see, and the prequels were polarizing. And no matter how good the show was ever could ever be, and and did become, there are always people who are like, I don't like. I'm not going to watch that because it's prequels. They will never – it's like they're so close-minded and sippy that they won't <laughs> ever give it a chance. And that was a, an absolutely spectacular show, one of the greatest chapters of Star Wars history, and Dave oversaw it. And now we're having him go to an era where it's closer to the original trilogy. It's less polarizing. It's what every generation likes. And um, it, it's probably going to be very visually different. I hope it's visually different, kind of over Thunderbird Anakin. Um visually but i'd love to see more clone war stories but i know that's the time has has come and gone and everybody's sailed off and this is a, a new era and a new incarnation but they have the best captain on the ship and dave and i think that sounds like a really fantastic team from a writing perspective and show running perspective and 
they're just better be good toys. I think the one big mistake <laughs> is that they've made you they basically were giving us Burger King quality Happy Meal toys and they didn't do it right. And I love Hasbro, but that if you want to make a show called Rebels, they better be on vintage style cards. <laughs> I don't care what the figures I'm not even kidding. I, I, this is an essential part of the Star Wars DNA is bringing synergy on all levels through all generations. And you have to trigger things on, on a basic, nostalgic, and stimulus way. And there's a reason why that worked. And you create a consistency across the brand if you do that. And I even like putting EU p- figures out and live action Clone Wars on vintage style cards, not even vintage, Star Wars cards. I just think it's a huge opportunity for them to then ingratiate um, people back into it. The people that have turned their back because of the prequels, because of those ugly episode two cards. People turned their back on Star Wars because of those cards. I'm telling you. <laughs> that was it. <laughs> that was it. It wasn't Jar Jar Binks at all. It was actually the cards. There you go. Well, give the- Kyle one minute. He'll, he'll give you five in return, but that's why we love him. And uh, all the best to you and Jamie as you guys are expecting oh, yes. a new addition to the family. It was great to hear from her tonight. And uh, congrats to both of you on uh, future success with everything you're you're working on from uh, barely lethal to return to return of the Jedi. Jamie just got picked up for the third season of heart of Dixie. There's so many good things happening with you guys. And now you're bringing in a little fan baby into the family. And so yes. it's a very exciting times. We're very happy for you guys. Thank you guys. And please check out the return of return of the Jedi 30 years and counting and spread the word about it. Cause there's no, no one else is going to see it other than fans sharing it with other fans. So oh, we'll do thank it. you guys for, uh, thank you, Jamie. And thank you for your help too. And your additional audio supervision. And thank you guys for always supporting what I do. That's awesome. Anytime. Anytime. You're one of the good ones. All right, man. Thanks, guys. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Say hi to Steve. We will. We will. We will. I love Steve. (laughs) (laughs) Always great to hear from Kyle Newman. Definitely a member of the Rebel Force Radio family. He's been with us for years and years now. And uh, really excited for all the great things that's happening to him and Jamie and uh, their new family. So, uh Best of luck to those guys. Absolutely. Let's get Steve Sansweet on the Let's phone. Let's get him on the phone. We were talking about the, the Return of the Jedi, 30 years. We want to get Steve on because he's definitely one that can talk about the legacy of Return of the Jedi and, and what it meant to him and Star Wars and all of that good stuff. And also, he's got a big appearance coming up at uh, Celebration Europe 2. You get to see Rancho Obi-Wan on the road, in the air, on his way to Europe. Steve, are you with us? Uh, I am I am with you, but uh, I hope we don't see it in the air because it's going by boat. <laughs> oh, by <laughs> so you're going. Yeah, that's uh, why we you're to, going that's boat. Why I had to pack up so it may be going by submarine. Now that I think about it, right, right, that would be cool. War, war, one of those war surplus submarines. Uh, why don't you just? Oh, you, you know, by the end of the by the end of all this traveling, Steve, you might as well just buy yourself a big boat so you can just. Sail around the world, make uh, Rancho Obi Wan mobile. Well, wait a second. We could have like a Rancho Obi Wan ship to itself, and then we could we could um, we could uh, dock, and people could come aboard the ship to see the museum. This is I what I'm saying: here, a man. floating museum. I love it. Yes, I love it too. If we could get the cruise one, in the shape of like yeah, a giant a, sand crawler or something, I, I don't know. Oh, and I think with the water. I think they're building a building like that, so it would have to be, um, <laughs> you know, sort of like uh, sort of like a bongo, maybe a big bongo. Yes, a big giant bong. Uh, 
Right, I'm sorry, Bongo, Bongo. Sorry, sorry. You guys are missing a, a giant Imperial Star Destroyer on the water. I like it on the I water. Like it. It's a yacht, okay. you know. Uh, like... Let's 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 get the Kickstarter immediately. <laughs> Kickstarter, <laughs> of course. I could get behind right. that. That's a Kickstarter. Okay. Album. But so, are we talking about in in a exhibit the size of what you had in Orlando last summer? Because that was pretty impressive. We we are indeed. It started out, um, our understanding was that it was going to be a um, somewhat smaller space by maybe 150 square feet, and that was fine with us. And then all of a sudden, it looks like it's going to be a somewhat bigger space than uh, last year. Um, but uh, it's going to be a, a very different um, display. There will be some of the same items there, but... You know, these things are all individually curated depending on where we're going and what the kinds of interests are. And we wanted to be more international in scope and sort of uh, remind people what was around in their countries or neighboring countries. And, you know, still a lot of vintage stuff, but, you know, my special touch is uh, fan-made items and, and wonderful art and uh, and things like that. So, um uh, we have very carefully um, sort of looked over the list of the last time, and, you know, we're already packed, and we're someplace. Uh, I wanted to put a tracker, or I actually, I wanted to put Anne in the shipment. But <laughs> I love that idea. That Anne... about food. <laughs> right. about food and air. <laughs> Anne was... stuck in one of the boxes making regular cell phone calls to Steve. Well, Where are you well, now? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I mean, we had to buy we had to buy pounds and pounds of desiccant. I, you know what? You know, like those tiny what? little packages you get with stuff that have oh yeah this magic material in it. And I, but we had to buy. I always it by thought the that was pounds. just a hoax. I didn't think that actually did anything. Does that uh, actually yeah, do it something? Up humidity, and so oh, okay. we have it inside our boxes. We have it inside our crates, and 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 strapped on top, and so. Wow. It, it took four tries to get the uh, stuff off. You you would have thought that folks would have learned from last year, but um, first they bring a uh, a, a, a a shipboard container, and um, unfortunately they had it on a truck bed that was about oh eight feet off the ground, um, <laughs> and no forklifts yeah. or anything. Oh, well, you gonna you don't have a dock? Oh uh, yeah, right. It's a ranch. So they came the next. Yeah, they came the next day and uh, took that back. And then the day that we all agreed the truck was going to come and then it was going to deliver it someplace and then it was going to be transferred to the shipping container. Well, the first truck and the guy pulled up and said, I don't have room for that stuff. Oh, great. (laughs) Okay, but we'll send another truck later. So the other truck shows up about 5 o'clock. The guy looks at the stuff and said, oh, I don't have room for that stuff. My truck's half full. Oh, God. So this isn't this isn't as so, simple as just getting one of those pods to show up in your driveway. Uh, this is oh, man. much more complicated. You. You're really going to be testing the TSA's carry-on policy, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, there will be there will be a couple of things that will be traveling with me, both for my sense of paranoia and for insurance purposes. Well, I was going to so say, I, Steve, I, because, you know, because that is sort of your 
uh, I wouldn't say your focus, but you you certainly do love the fan-made items. The thing that makes them great is they're one of a kind, but that's also probably the most dangerous kind of thing to send out there because if tragedy strikes, if you lose it, there's no replacing it, unlike some of the mass market stuff that you can replace. Uh, I will tell you there there are things that are virtually irreplaceable um and and a large part of the exhibit is that but that's what makes the rancho obi-wan experience fun and what was really interesting is you know we were talking about it on our facebook page and 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 twitter and everything and we got because we had a pack so far in advance i mean unlike orlando you know we just shut down and and we were, you know, it was a week to get it down there and then a week to get it back. So the museum wasn't closed that long, but we're talking about a four-month period here. Mm. And so there are people who have booked tours who are just like, oh, my God, it's like everything's going to be gone. <laughs> <laughs> and I kept saying, guys, just take a deep breath. Mm. It's less than one-tenth of one percent, and we're finding all kinds of new stuff new old stuff to put on the shelves to replace what we're taking. And I'm finding things that, you know, I had forgotten about or have long been buried. And so, you know, some people came here who had been here a few weeks before and they said, so what's, what did you send? (laughs) I can't remember. (laughs) (laughs) So this is honestly a really great time to, to take a tour at Rancho Obi-Wan because you're seeing stuff that's on display for the first time or not typically on display. Right, yeah, and it's going to be interesting when we get the stuff back because, I mean, there's some stuff I've put out now that I just, I, I really love, and so we're, we're going we're gonna to mix and match with some of the old stuff and some of the new stuff. Now, one type of item we didn't bring along this time was anything electronic, even though obviously there are, um, there are transformers, step-up transformers in Germany because they're on 240 volts and we're on 120 here in the U.S., yeah. Um, number one, those items were big and bulky. And number two, we were concerned with, you know, just spiking electrical power and, and just completely ruining motors and stuff like that. As Han Solo uh, once famously said, as Han Solo once famously said, we don't want to have a burnout. Didn't he say that? I think that's what was happening uh, a little while ago when we tried to Skype this call. <laughs> Either that or, or Kyle Newman was sucking up the entire uh, bandwidth of the internet. Yeah, uh, well, I, Probably the latter, actually. I, 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 I think he might have been. He, he might have been. Steve, you were saying earlier about, you know, you when you're going to one of these things, uh, that obviously the audience that you're you're reaching is, is going to depend going to uh, dictate in some ways what you take. Do you find, and you've met Star Wars fans all over the world, you know, like, for example, David Hasselhoff, huge in Germany, like huge pop star in Germany. They can't get enough, uh, can't get arrested. Well, no, he does get arrested here, but, you know, it not, not as, as prolific a career here. Are there certain Star Wars characters that really resonate in other countries that, you know, well, we in America yeah, one don't? thing I have, yeah. yeah, one thing I have found... Um, is that there is a, a much greater popularity in certain countries for things like the the, the vintage droids and Ewoks um, animation and thus items that were made at that time. I mean, we know the droids and Ewoks cartoons just, you know, they, they were sort of a passing fancy in the U.S. and mm-hmm. droids was on for 
one season. He walks on for two, and there was some merchandise, but not a whole lot. And, but it's different, and especially in Germany, they, they came out with all kinds of cool stuff, and there's a lot of interest in that, just like there's Germany was one of the only places that actually translated Power of the Force and the vintage um, packaging, the Kraft Macht, and uh, people are fascinated with that stuff. And so, yeah, so, you know, I made sure that we're, we're taking uh, a bunch of those things along and, and my proto mold of Warwick, since that uh, Warwick, W-A-R-O-K, the Ewok, because that is the uh, start tot um, uh, metal piece that I am sponsoring for mm-hmm. Celebration Europe. So, yeah, we want things to tie together and we want there to be a story. And this is more of a story of, oh, my goodness, look at, you know, all all the countries and the, the action figures in the different packages and, and yeah, still, you know, the, the both versions of the missile firing Boba Fett and, uh, you know, cool, just a lot of cool things, but, a but a really good mix and, and really sort of aimed at more of an international audience, which is not to say we didn't get a lot of international fans in Orlando, but, um, you're going to get people who really can't travel, Mm-hmm. to the U.S. very often or at all. A lot of, uh, you know, Eastern Europe is uh, has become really a hotbed of, of Star Wars fandom in the last five to ten years. And yet because of the economies and the, and the, and the levels of wages and things like that, it's much more difficult to travel here for, for those folks. Have you ever traveled Germany looking for Star Wars memorabilia for your museum? I've been going to Germany a lot since before I joined Lucasfilm and and. Uh, attending JediCon, which is the official convention put on by the last remaining official fan club um, in in the world in Germany, and those guys have done a tremendous job. And so the dealers' rooms have always had uh, lots of really cool vintage German material, and I have certainly taken advantage of that. And uh, and I expect we're going to see a, a just a bustling um, dealers' room there with. Uh, and I know because I've been vetting the dealers' list of dealers from all over Europe, and um, and they're going to bring out their best stuff. And it's you know even even to look at the stuff is is going to be really uh, really cool for me if I. <laughs> If I can break away from the booth at all, Steve. Uh, out, outside of the the U.S., is there a particular global or, or world market that you've always really had an affinity for for their uh, their brand? I guess you could say of, of Star Wars merchandise. Well, I guess the the most consistently different merchandise and unique merchandise is Japan. Yeah. And um, there are a couple of reasons. I mean, the design ethic in Japan, because toys have been popular for older people in Japan way longer than, you know, way before toys as a, oh, a mass collectible caught on in the U.S. Um, you know, there were people collecting the vintage Japanese robots and good daikens and, and all that cool stuff. And, and the design ethic is different. And the quantity produced is far different. And they have learned to make a quantity that suffices for Japan. And, and that, you know, the, the, they've learned how to charge for it and make it still make their margins. But that's all. I mean, it's not, mm. it's a mass market for Japan, but that's a lot different than a mass market for, that Hasbro has to 
uh, uh, worry about in the U.S. And so the stuff is rare. I mean, it's it's just like they have... Bridgestone made these incredible Star Wars golf bags, uh, a Darth Vader and a Stormtrooper. And people come here and they just go gaga over them. And they say, well, oh my God, how can I get one? And I say, well, you can't. They made 500 of each. They sold out fairly quickly. And you talk to somebody from a company like that or a company that made, you know, Star Wars lightsaber handle umbrellas, now other people are making them. But, you know, a couple of years ago, and they and they would say, ah, well, we made 5,000 and they sold out and we are very happy. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, how about if I give you an order for 5,000 more, says Star Wars shop. Uh, yes, we made an order, we made 5,000 and we sold out and we're very happy. It's just like, you know, with Japanese <laughs> and don't like to say no, wow. but they say no. And they're yeah. not interested. They move on to the next thing. And so that's why the Japanese stuff uh, is so special. And in the last five or six years, uh, combining traditional Japanese art over the last 100, 150 years with Star Wars uh, iconography, some of the best stuff, the tea towels and now the teacups. And we're about to see a promotion uh, for Paki candy in Japan and among the promotional items are these little uh, R2, C-3PO, and Darth Vader temple bells made out of ceramic. I mean, just the coolest kind of stuff that you could ever imagine. So, yeah, Japanese stuff has always been very, very high on my list. Absolutely. Now, let's talk about, to change directions here, let's talk about the future of the Star Wars franchise, specifically the news revealed last week to us that Dave Filoni and crew are working on a new animated series called Star Wars Rebels that will be uh, focusing in on the time, the dark times, between episodes three and four. Um, Tell us what you thought when you heard about the news and what you want to see this series cover as far as adventures from that era. Well, I am very excited uh, about the news, and uh, Dave was being very circumspect and, and and couldn't talk for a long time about what he was working on. I love that calculated leak about uh, drawing some TIE fighters. And, um, and did you see the latest? Surprised. Did you see the latest um, leak? Yeah, there's a new one he just released today. It's um, a very close perspective of what looks like a stormtrooper helmet or perhaps a TIE pilot or maybe even an ad-ad driver. Just a, mm. a sketch he did on uh, some uh, dry white board. And uh, it's uh, just, he says, something to go with the TIE fighter sketches <laughs> I release. So I, 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 it leads me to believe it could be a TIE pilot, but it's a very close perspective. Cool. And I think they're going to be teasing it until, uh, and, until they're ready to air it, which is great. And I think the teases will be broader and broader as they get closer and closer. And I'm hoping that we see something or they talk about something at, um, at celebration. Although I think it would be a little early to show footage, but you know, who knows? Um, they've got some great people working on it. Some of Dave's core team, some new people. And, um, I think that there were some people who were surprised and, and they said, well, we thought that this was going to be a series that was going to lead up to Episode 7, like the Tartakovsky Clone Wars led up to Episode 3 with, with Grievous. Well, in effect, it, it is, because there's a whole generation out there that, that loves Star Wars because of the Clone Wars animation, Star Wars the Clone Wars, but really isn't that 
up to date on, you know, Darth Vader or Luke Skywalker um, or Han or, or some of the backstory. And what a perfect way to introduce those core characters in in an animated fashion in a, something that's that's all new with all new stories that that adds a little dimension and depth to that period that George has always said you know let's let's keep clear of that because uh, you know we'll 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 play in that area someday and and this is the someday so that makes me very excited about I wonder what kind of core project. characters can be featured when you consider the core characters are either dead or very young, like Luke and Leia and Han Solo, for that matter. Um, well, we don't know. Ex- we don't know exactly when in in the period between episodes three and four the series takes place. Oh, this yeah, is true. Yeah, yeah, Jimmy Mac. It could be six months. And I'm jumping. You don't know. <laughs> and we know. I mean, it's a it's a big period, and also they can start in one decade and and jump to another i mean you know i i really have the famous idea and i don't want to be spoiled you know so so i'm not even trying to find out not not that i could break through that uh that stone face barrier of mr filoni <laughs> um when he's when he's hiding something he's hiding it and he just takes um, his particular but, delight in in knowing that he knows stuff that we can't know he just it, it's almost sadistic the way he enjoys withholding information, maybe just dangling that little that little smile on his face. It's not yes. a smirk, oh, yeah. but it's a smile because he knows we're going to enjoy it when we see it. So, um, I, you know, I, I I give it I give it to Dave and all of the other hardworking people who are we're going to come up with some amazing stuff. I just speaking of amazing stuff, I saw just saw the Star Trek movie with a bunch of friends this um, this weekend, and uh, I really loved it, and I. I couldn't believe. I thought, wait a second, it's over already. Mm. What was this? Just like a forty-minute movie? It <laughs> moves so fast for me, and yeah. um, I, I truly, truly found it uh, a, 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 a very engaging movie. Some of the people in our group weren't uh, nearly as crazy about it. Ann and I uh, loved it, and uh, and we thought it was great. It sounds and like the it sounds like the the, the, the real. The real Star Trek fans are the ones maybe having a little hard time with it. Steve, you're there as a you know died in the world uh, Star Wars fan, and that seems to be the, the the trend. I'm seeing people that I think you're right. Yeah. So well, you know, I mean, the, well, it's it, it's just like it's just like um, you know the the start of the anti Star Wars fan fan um, really began with the uh, Return of the Jedi, and all of a sudden it became cool to hate Ewoks and oh and this is just too juvenile and you know I really love Jedi I still love Jedi um, I love you know I'm a, a firm Ewok supporter from way back hell I dress as one at Celebration 4 so um, um, <laughs> but uh, you know it's it's yeah it's it's yeah, I think you're. I think you're probably right. I think that's some of the reaction. Although I'm sure there are Trek fans out there who really liked it too. Yeah, yeah it was I'm, a wonderful I, summer movie. I'm sure. I, I'm looking for it. I have not seen it yet, uh, but we'll definitely see it very soon. I, you know, with uh, speaking of of that, obviously J.J. Abrams, the director of Star Trek Into Darkness, and will also be directing Episode Seven. Um, just out of curiosity, you know, we all know famously that your favorite character is Obi-Wan Kenobi. Um, just what 
are you most looking forward to as far as episode seven? What storyline, what thread, what character are you mm. most looking forward to revisiting and seeing again, perhaps? Well, personally, I am hoping that uh, that Obi-Wan and some of his travails um, are, are part of episode seven. And there, there, there are two things... Um, in the in the last couple of years that have come out that have sort of spurred my my thinking along those lines. One was a gift that um, that the, the the great folks who run Mint and Box, the French website, um, commissioned for me. One of my favorite artists, the French artist Benjamin Carré, who has done a bunch of dynamic Dark Horse covers and some of his own Star Wars fan art, the fan art, and you know, like Rembrandt would do fan art. Mm. <laughs> um, and they commissioned they commissioned something called No Country for Old Men, and it has uh, <laughs> uh, was using part of that for um, for our 2013 patch, and it's uh, it's a an old older Obi Wan Kenobi up on a rock, and there is a horde of Tuscan Raiders attacking him, and there's nobody else but Obi Wan there, and you know he's going to win that battle, and it's taking place on Tatooine, and it must have something to do with protecting Luke. But, you know, so that got me to thinking. And then Sideshow released its Obi-Wan in the Mythos series statues. Right, And it it is, like, one of my favorite pieces now. It has has Obi-Wan clearly trudging through some desert planet, probably Tatooine, and with the weight of the world on the shoulders, and 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 the weight is really I mean, it's his clone general costume, uh, I mean armor, and and a you know gaffy stick and a long rifle, and there are interchangeable heads on this piece, and you can either put an aged Ewan McGregor or a younger Alec Guinness, and I'm oh. thinking. Oh wow! <laughs> what are those stories you could tell about him, or at least involving him somehow? Yeah. And um, you know, so so that gives me some um, some hope. And obviously, you know, we're, we we might see some interplay between the Emperor and Vader, and whether Vader has any regrets. Uh, it's all kinds of ways that seven, eight, and nine can go. And you know, if in fact uh, you know Carrie, Mark, and Harrison are are in this uh, at the beginning, at least, or through the movie, you know, it's it's clearly to sort of lead us into the next generation of uh, of characters. So, you know, I'm, I'm just buzzed. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they come up with and what the story is and, and how they carry it out. Is it hard for you, Steve, at all to, uh, or are you relieved to not, be there day to day in an official capacity with all the excitement, all the buzz. Is it? Are, are you comfortable just saying, you know what? That's it's another time now, and it's for it's it's for other folks to to handle. And are you enjoying where you are? I am. Now? I am. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I am. I am very comfortable with that. Um, I, I I had my fun. I always thought it would be amazing to be behind the scenes when George was making the original trilogy, and instead I got to be there when George was making the second trilogy and and that was uh that was just an amazing an amazing time and um and now it's uh it's uh, on to the next generation and a couple of people you know that i helped to bring to lucasfilm so i'm mm-hmm. you know like pablo and mm-hmm. and mary franklin running events and so i'm 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 pleased about that too um and 
after being, um, you know, part of the rollout strategy for episodes one, two, and three, and and seeing everything as it was being shot in in all kinds of uh, order, different order, and weird, and then reading the scripts and and then seeing, you know, video tests, and oh my god, I think I saw bits and parts of episode one, if you put it all together, maybe 400 times. <laughs> um, and, um, you know, it, it, and the way I saw it, it was like, what the heck is all of this? <laughs> but, um, yeah. it was, uh, it was, uh, it was a great experience. And now, um, you know, somebody else is, uh, right. is going to have that experience. Other so you're, people are going to have so that you're experience. looking forward to being able to go to the theater and seeing a new star Wars movie kind of unfettered in a way. I am. George says the same thing. Yeah. I mean, he's looking forward to going in the theater and seeing a Star Wars movie that he didn't have to, you know, break his back uh, and worry and 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 drive himself crazy making. Right. So right. you know, I think that's uh, I think that's true for a lot of folks. Any talk of uh, bringing back your uh, big role from Star Wars Episode One, the Naboo Courier? Is there any uh, talk about bringing that one back for the sequels, Naboo Courier? Wait a second. Has that has that leaked? <laughs> Did you hear that that's one of the spinoff movies? Because if you did, you shouldn't say anything. I, I read it on the Rancho Obi-Wan blog, Steve. I think it was one of those planned <laughs> leaks. <laughs> it's going to be a standalone. <laughs> the yeah, no, that, that, yeah, that's one of the standalone movies, man. Uh, you heard it here first. The right. Naboo Courier, the return of the... Wait a second, is it Return or Revenge of the Naboo Courier? I can't remember. You know, what, what, it, what it needs to be is it needs to be all you guys that had the cameos. It needs to be you and Bullock and uh, and Ahmed and everybody was in that, uh, the, the you know, the bar there. Dan at, Madsen. At episode two. Dan, Dan Madsen, Madsen of course. Dan Madsen. Yeah. <laughs> Just do it. Pablo. That's, that, right. Was Pablo in it? Oh, uh, yeah, he, he was in Pablo episode was in episode three. Yeah, in the opera oh. box uh, sequence, you yeah. can see Pablo in the in the background. I never, if you I never knew that. Yeah, so, and all the ILM folks. Oh my God! Yeah, yeah so there you go. So, there, yeah. There's a movie you know, right there. There's a Rick movie. Rick and Ben and <laughs> yeah, his <yeah>. kids. <laughs> right. There you go. So, so you know, we we we're looking forward to the new Star Wars films, but uh, let's look back as we celebrate the 30th anniversary of Return of the Jedi. You you just admitted moments ago that you you love Ewoks, and uh, <laughs> that is not an admission. That is a statement of fact. You by saying it's an admission, it sounds like it's something to be embarrassed about. I've loved Ewoks from the start, and I love them today, and. Uh, and nothing shall change that. Did you hear that Jamie King, uh, the lovely Jamie King, is a little creeped out by Ewoks? I did. I, you know, I yes, I saw the, uh, I saw the return of right. the return, and I was surprised. I, you know, I think it's she has never been properly introduced to an Ewok, <laughs> and when she first saw Jedi, she probably got scared when Wicked. She probably thought Wicked was about to spear poor Leia, and she identified with Leia. I mean, I, you know. She she just needs some talk therapy to get her through that and meeting some. Can you make that happen? Can you make that happen, Steve? Can we? Can we? I'd be happy. I'd be happy the next time she comes up here to put my Ewok suit on. (laughs) Is that a common occurrence? A little tall for Ewok. (laughs) 
Yeah, I'm really ticked Kyle didn't interview me for that in my Ewok costume. I right. mean, you know, who better? Right. Steve, is that a little extra to get you to show up in the Ewok costume? What, <laughs> uh, does, that run, does that run a little more? Well, oh. it, well, I'll tell you, it will It will be in Germany with me. So we'll, oh my see, goodness. we'll see what somebody tries to tempt me to do to get that off. <laughs> Very comfortable, actually. I mean, you can sleep in it. <laughs> oh, we had our first Rancho Obi Wan sleepover. We'll we'll be posting pictures. Yeah, oh. inside the museum. Oh my gosh! Well, okay, oh, an overnight. Will, we gotta be, be there, Jim. That will be, that will wow! Be I bet there was a fight for that uh, that R two D two shag rug there. You have. And that's where they were. <laughs> they were all kind of what rug? Instead of Consetta Parker, who is our you know our marketing PR person, has has threatened to pull together a girls' night in the museum, and and I'm still waiting for that to happen, and um, that's when we'll set up the infrared cameras. Uh, <laughs> no, I didn't say that. I was only kidding. I would never do anything like that. Um, but I imagine that would be a lot of fun. Jimmy Mac, we could go and crash course, the girls' night. Huh? Go ahead. I was just saying, Jimmy Mac and I could sure. come and crash the girls' night. Sure, sure. We'll make s'mores. <laughs> But you would have to, but I mean, you'd have to, um, you know, wear your floppy Star Wars pajamas and things. Oh, wearing them well, right now. You. What are you talking about? Any pajamas I wear uh, are floppy. <laughs> <laughs> no like Max Rebo's ears. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I don't want to know what goes on in there, actually. <laughs> so what happened? You guys had a flood in one of the storage rooms? I mean, that must have been a disaster. We had a flood in the, actually the the European-style hot water heater. You know, it just it, – it was installed improperly eight, ten years ago, and finally one of the one of the plastic or polyethylene pipes just burst, so it wasn't like coming out from the bottom. It was spewing all over the garage where we temporarily had but somebody said, uh, here's a hint, don't put things on the floor. Well, no, we don't put things on the floor, but temporarily, just because we were moving things around, we had all of our boxes of mostly dupes of books and paper items. And so you can't ask for something worse to get flooded on mm. and spit on by raging waters than, than paper items. But people on the tour helped us and you know, and you know, we we managed to, to save a bunch of stuff. And in fact we're we're bringing a couple of boxes of German language books with us to give out at the Rancho Obi Wan booth. We're hoping, you know, to kids and teenagers who would like to uh like to read some Star Wars uh, stuff in in German and um, and uh, you know that's part of part of what we do and we're going to have uh, haven't announced yet but what the specifics are but we've got three brand new items um, that we're going to um, premiere there as far as limited merchandise goes and, mm. and I'm very excited by all three of them and. Uh, uh, they're, you know, one of them's a patch, one of them is a special T-shirt, and and one of them is our first poster, first Rancho Obi-Wan poster. Ooh. So all, all, all pretty limited, but very cool. No, no floppy pajamas, though. No floppy pajamas. <laughs> we'll let the licensees sell those. Thank you. Okay. Yeah, well, that's great. And yeah. we've we've had an exciting time here. I mean, we um, we 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 have taped a show for the Disney XD channel with Joey Fatone. Yeah. Um, 
who is a huge Star Wars fan, and what a delightful time we had with that. And as soon as we get some details as to when that's going to run, Joey does a show on a um, Disney cable network called Live Well, and it's My Family Recipe Rocks. And he was asked to do a um, a sort of a crossover show for Disney XD, which is you know sort of aimed at like eight to fourteen plus, um, mostly mostly boys. And was told, you know, here's a list of our premier brands. Pick ones and uh, pick one. And he, of course, he sees Star Wars and tells his producer, "Call Sam Sweet." <laughs> a three weeks notice, and it was just wonderful. And Anne is cooking in the kitchen making some uh, Star Wars recipes that she, some of which she got from the uh, Star Wars cookbooks and some of which she modified severely from the Star Wars cookbooks after we had some taste tests. And uh, <laughs> so her recipes will be posted and we're, we're looking forward to that. She was, she was a natural on tape. So uh, I think that's going to be great. And this week we have another taping crew coming for a very, very special project that we will be able to reveal in the fall. And um, we've got just lots of great stuff happening. We've had you know, tours from people from all over the world continuing, and, and our, you know, we're, our, our groups are getting uh, bigger. We're, we're, we're taking you know, two, three, four different groups on a, on a single tour, and people are getting along fine and meeting people from all over the world. So it's... Uh, it's uh, it's pretty cool. When's pretty Ra- when is Rancho Obi Wan going to get a reality series of its own? That's oh, what I want to see. Now you're talking. Yeah. Oh, he's quiet. Uh oh. Yeah. He's not saying um, anything. Um, yeah. Let's just say that um, that you're not the only one who is thinking <laughs> along those lines. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Well, we'll, uh, we'll, we'll leave it at that. Problem, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The problem right now, of course, is just person power i mean it's basically we get we have a lot of wonderful volunteers and people who are helping inventory and people who are doing other things but it's basically ann newman and myself and concetta and doing the doing the marketing and the pr and you know we're, we're really at a stage where to to grow to the next level you know we we certainly could justify having another full time person, but we just don't have the kind of resources at this stage mm-hmm. to do that so right. you know we need to take some time and um and uh you know try to raise some foundation money and some get some grants and and things of that nature and i and I think with you know all the Star Wars fervor and fever growing by leaps and bounds i'm I'm hoping uh, that we can make that happen. And, um, and we have all sorts of dreams and plans and, uh, uh, all of which are premature right now, but, um, you know, just, just let's say we're not thinking small. Oh, sounds great. And Steve, thank you so much for uh, taking the time out and, uh, joining us on the program. Best of, uh, luck with everything in uh, Celebration Europe 2, uh, coming up in July. Very exciting. Thank you. Are you either, either of you guys going? Uh, actually, I'm actually in one of your crates right now doing this show. So I'm, 
And by, everything's oh my fine. God, I have a bad <laughs> feeling about this. Wait, yeah, wait, I was saying, wait till, wait till Sansweet uncrates me when he, uh, <laughs> in the dock. Right puts there. you on display. You look so, you look so thin, Jimmy. <laughs> but no, I... Um, Jason, you have shriveled to nothing. <laughs> well, it's those packing peanuts. They suck up all the moisture. Um, oh, no, it's the desiccant. It's the desiccant. Totally dry you out. <laughs> but anyway, no, I, I'm... Uh, alas, no, I will not be able to go. Um, and uh, I don't know. You, you know, Jimmy Mac... You just never know where he's going to show up. So I'm not going to say no uh, to <laughs> Jimmy Mack. You never know. Things could happen. But, uh, man, well, thank you so much, Steve, and best of luck to you. And uh, we'd uh, love – if we don't talk to you before, we definitely want to catch up uh, with you after Celebration Europe 2 and kind of break down all the news with you. Sounds great, guys. You you two take care. All right. All right, Steve. Later. Okay. All right. Bye. Bye-bye. Oh, the legend. The legend. Well, there's 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 few Star Wars legends uh, that we can that we can talk to, and Steve Sansweet is uh, certainly one of them. So great always to uh, chat with him and uh, Jim. It sounds like, as he says, they're not thinking small there at Rancho Will Be One. Well, that's good because uh, Star Wars is just going to be exploding here in the next couple of years, and I imagine uh, things going on out there in uh, Petaluma, California, at uh, Rancho Will Be One is going to be exploding just as well. You really owe it to yourself. Jason, we got to get you out there. I know, I know, I know, I know. Well, you know, the big big draw now for me is the sleepover. So all of us in our footy pajamas, uh, (laughs) on the big big, uh, R2 shag rug, uh, that sounds sounds like a good time. I have good news for you, my lord. That's good news. Come closer, I have good news. All right, Star Trek Into Darkness and Star Wars Episode Seven director. Can't believe we're saying that. Star Trek and Star Wars director J.J. Yeah. Abrams. Says, I don't like it. Let me just go on the record right now and say I don't like it. I don't like my Trek and my Wars combining like they are right now. I don't like people jumping to conclusions that this new Star Trek film is a must-see for Star Wars fans. I don't. We talk about the wars on this show. So as a, just a sort of a, a, a social experiment this week on Facebook, I put up the very simple post, wars, greater sign, Trek, <laughs> just to put my toe in the water. Because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, I am a fan of Star Trek. I have diverse tastes and likes and interests, and Star Trek is one of them. But this show, we talk about the wars. And let it be known to anyone listening to this show, I will always consider Star Wars to be superior to Star Trek. That does not mean I don't like Star Trek. That does not mean I'm not a fan of Star Trek. There's just about everything in the world I can put after that greater-than sign. Or I should say less than sign, depending on how you look at it from a certain point of view. But there are a lot of things I can put there. And Star Wars will always be superior to that, in my opinion. But by making that statement and by reading your feedback, and you got to see the feedback, Jason, because it's phenomenal. We got about 80 comments on the, the single post. No explanation. The bottom line is I was just getting 
fed up of people saying, you got to talk about this new Star Trek film. Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? I haven't seen the new Star Trek film. It's not because I don't want to see it. It's just not a priority for me. It's just another movie. I don't care if George Lucas himself directed it. I am not going to be looking at this new Star Trek film and, and, and considering how it's going to impact the future of Star Wars. To me, that is sacrilegious. And, and, and it, it's, 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 it's borderline obscene to be thinking in that way. Like I said, I don't even care if, if George Lucas himself was in it and Harrison Ford was, was, was Captain Kirk in the next Star Trek. I am not going to be comparing the two. Because I just think it's silly. Just because J.J.'s in charge of it. And I know J.J. will be bringing a lot of the crew that worked on this Star Trek film with him to work on the new Star Wars film. But you know what? Knowing George Lucas used a lot of the same people at ILM and at Skywalker Sound and with his production crew to create Radioland Murders doesn't mean that back in 1990, I was looking at that film and considering how it's going to impact the future of Star Wars. So I'm not going to be doing the same thing with the J.J. Abrams-helmed Star Trek movie. Thank, I just wanted to get that out there. That's all. I'm not hating on Trek, and I'm not trying to bring up any bad feelings people have about friction between the two franchises because I'm not necessarily trying to promote that. I'm just saying, listen, everyone. Get off my back here as the host of the Star Wars-centric podcast, Rebel Force Radio. Get off my back and quit telling me that I need to be providing some sort of audio assessment of the new Star Trek film. Because it ain't going to happen. Thank you. All right. Um... Not going to be talking about Alias. I'm not going to be talking about Lost. I'm not going to be talking about Super 8. To me, it's the wars. That's why I turn on this microphone every week. Thank you again. So Star Trek Into Darkness director J.J. Abrams. (laughs) Do you not hear what I say? Making the rounds (laughs) included a stop on Conan O'Brien in his show and uh, promised, made some promises to Conan. So many things that I obviously love about your work, but one of the things you do that you you have a, a real sense of fun and mischief in the work that you create, and you're always putting little hidden things in your I, movies yeah. and your projects that, that give you joy. Well, it's, it's a kind of like in-joke thing with the people with whom I work. It's sort of like, like you know, hiding, you know, R2-D2 is hidden in this movie, and there's this, like, this uh, beverage called Slusho that we created that's in all the movies we do. There's just all these stupid little things that if you care to look for it, you'll find them. It's kind of like, remember, uh, uh, you know, Nina, um, when uh, the, the artist... Would hide caricature the, artist, Hirschfeld. His, his yeah. daughter's name would be hidden. It was just one of those things that if you knew to look for it, you'd find them. Yeah, it's, uh, and, and, and slusho, uh, that was, a, it's a slushy drink that you put into. It's just nothing. It, it was it in was the nothing. show. It's yeah. just the show Alias. We, we had it in, one, in the first episode, and for some weird reason, we've been hiding it. Thank you. We've been hiding it in stuff. <laughs> Stuff but I love sense. that. Those are the kind of things that make you happy. You put them in. Like, for example, uh, years ago when I wrote for The Simpsons, I put Jub Jub into uh, a Simpsons episode. Oh, yeah. And so um, I know that if I ask you, because yeah. we're very close, I, I think you're closer to me than anyone in the world. Uh, <laughs> I know that if I ask you, you'll put Jub Jub into uh, a, a Star Wars movie. I know you'll yeah. get it in somehow. I know that you'll. Does. That's going to happen? Yeah, sure. Yeah. 
if anyone else wants anything, just shout it. <laughs> What's going to happen is people are going to see that. You're going to you're a nice guy. You're going to say yes. And then this, the Star Wars movies will make no sense. We are, Jub, Jub, flip flop, waffle iron. You know, it's very early days. And, uh, and, and if and when I am directing Star Wars, Jub Jub somehow will find its way. That's fantastic. I'm a happy guy now and I, and I can die. Not just yet. 80 years from now. <laughs> oh, boy. So uh, having a little bit of fun with Conan talking about um, if and when he directs Star Wars. Is he backpedaling here? Well, I didn't get that. He but, said uh, if, if and when. I heard the if. I yeah. heard that. I don't know what that little bit of trickery was. But, uh, but my question trickery. is this. What the hell is a jub-jub? I don't know. I was going to ask you. Damn it. Well, well okay. wait a minute. Wait. Who who's the who's the Simpsons expert? Is it Michael or Dylan? Wait, hold on, let me. You know what? I'm actually going to see if Michael is available. All right, because he can come over here and explain this. Hold on one second. Jump, jump. <laughs> All right, Jimmy Mack on his way, probably waking up his son. His son uh, probably in the last week of school. What's he need to go to school for? This is this is serious business. He's going to wake him up out of a dead sleep and uh, see if he can match wits with us here and. Recall his Simpsons trivia. We'll find out. Jub Jub. I when I was reading the story, I was thinking Yub Nub, which is an Ewok thing. It's close, but it's not Jub Jub. All right. Well, here's Michael. He's here with me. All right. Did you wake him up? Hello. (laughs) (laughs) Poor Michael. Michael, were you asleep? No, I was not asleep. Okay. All right. You have school this week, though, right? My last day is tomorrow. He graduates from the eighth grade tomorrow. You know, I got a real problem. Can I just say, I have a real problem. No offense, Michael, but I have a real problem with these graduations. I've got a friend who is missing work tomorrow because her daughter is graduating kindergarten. Wait, wait, this is the biggest scam perpetrated on parents. What do you got to do for this junior high graduation? You got to throw a party? What's going on? You haven't accomplished anything. You merely obeyed the law. That's what you've done. Why are we throwing a party? I think the only graduation that really matters is high school graduation. Absolutely, that's the only one that matters. Anyway, congratulations on graduating junior high. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks for pumping him up. <laughs> All right, now tell us what Jub Jub is. Jub Jub is Patty and Selma Bouvier's <laughs> pet iguana from The Simpsons, mm-hmm. which... Uh, Conan wrote for right 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 so he would put Jub Jub in then any episode he wrote from that point forward is that what the deal is I guess so I don't really see wait, wait, what so, so Jub Jub is a pet chameleon I think oh, he said iguana yeah. oh iguana I'm sorry iguana see he, he learned something in those eight years he was going to school which you think that it shouldn't be celebrated in any way shape or form well, I, <laughs> just just say it you don't deserve a pat on the back for obeying the law uh, going to school. Um, this guy's going to be throwing the most lavish preschool graduation <laughs> parties that you've ever seen in about a year or two. No. What do you think of that? No, no, no. no I'm not going to do that. All right, so Jump Jump is the pet uh, iguana of uh, uh, Marge's uh, sisters. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. So did you hear that J.J. Uh, Abrams has promised Conan uh, that Jub Jub will make an appearance in a future Star Wars film. Oh boy! Yeah, what do you think about that? Does Jub Jub talk, or does he just sit there and look like an iguana? Sits there and looks like an iguana. Okay. Well, there you go. Um, I, that's mixing cannons. 
I would I would say it's mixing cannons. What, what's going to happen? Are he and Bosk in this Jub Jub iguana going to, you know, run off together? What's going to happen? I think that Hondo Wanaka and Duffman might have a couple of adventures in a future Star Wars film. <laughs> and Duffman. Well, see, that's what I'm afraid of. That's the direction we're heading in. Thank right. you very much. Dangerous. Mike. Thank you, Michael. Go back to bed. And congratulations oh. on uh, your parents uh, making sure you go to school every day. Or perhaps we might be in a situation where Itchy and Scratchy are uh, hanging out in the Moss Eisley Cantina. I mean, the, the, it's just endless, the, the amount of uh, different directions you can go in. But I, I get really frightened by the, the, that type of talk, you know, wanting mm-hmm. to put a, some sort of slurpy drink into a Star Wars film or a, 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 a sideshow character from The Simpsons. Not Sideshow Bob either, but I mean, a lizard from the Simpsons and and a a, a Slurpee. I I don't know. (laughs) Right? No, I hear you. The information I'm getting about episode seven waking my boots. While you wrap your head around that, real quick, we did have a John Williams uh, was uh, talking recently about uh, potentially stepping back on the podium, grabbing the baton, and leading an orchestra through. A whole mess of new uh, Star Wars music as the composer for Episode 7. This is from a story on uh, mstars.com. He's 81 years old now. Did you know that? 81. I did, yeah. And uh, he says, we've certainly talked about going back for Episode 7. He says, I'm happy and willing to do it. J.J. Abrams, who will be the director, seems excited about the idea. I have to say that J.J. is a much younger man than I, but I will try to keep up with him as much as I can. He also said that we have the benefit of all this computer simulation and technical work that wasn't even possible 20 or 25 years ago. I don't know how hands-on George Lucas will be. I suspect he will be to some degree, but I can only imagine how excited he must be to have a director like J.J. have all these tools at his fingertips to produce something even more adventurous technologically. I can't wait to see what he will do with it. So John Williams uh, certainly... Game Jim, it sounds like, uh, you know, all things considered, the uh, they're getting the band back together in every way, shape, matter, or form. Absolutely. So I consider this locked and loaded. John Williams confirmed as the uh, composer of the soundtrack for Star Wars Episode Seven, at least. So that's another uh, set of emails that can stop showing up into our inbox is uh, stuff about Michael Giacchino or Giacchino, or Giacolino, or Giacchino, or whatever you want to call him. We'll never pronounce his name right. No, we won't. No, you've been been through. And and it's not a priority to me, because you know why? (laughs) He's a Star Trek composer, not a Star Wars composer. When he starts composing Star Wars, I'll pronounce his name correctly. For now, I'll just say Williams. Hello, what have we here? It's just me, Billy D. And don't mess this up, man. Be smooth. Lando's right. Indeed. Sorry, baby. It's just business. Why, you slimy, double-crossing, no-good swindler. Works every time. And Lando Calrissian is forever. <laughs> All right, I'm really upset about this. When I saw that this was the Billy D. quote of the week, I realized that I missed something. No, you didn't miss oh, it. This okay. is great. Because we're recording this show on Tuesday night, May 28th. Wednesday night, May 29th, is the premiere of Star Wars Lego, the Yoda Chronicles on Cartoon Network. So you still have time to set your DVR. And I hope you do, because we plan on talking about this little special next week. 
So Star okay. Wars. All right. So it's tomorrow night. I gotta hold on a second. I got uh, got to set the old DVR here. I can do this on my iPad. How do you like that? Excellent. That's great. That's technology there for you. So, uh, yeah, Star Wars Lego, the Yoda Chronicles, the latest in, uh, this is the third now network special for Star Wars Lego. And uh, these are always a lot of fun. Very well written by a friend of the, us here on the show, a guy who works on The Simpsons, oddly enough, Michael Price. I bet he knows who Jub Jub is. Oh, I'm sure he knows uh, Jub Jub, but he won't actually put him in a Star Wars production, which hats off to Mr. Price. Thank you for that. But, well, we haven't seen the Lego uh, Yoda Chronicles yet, so you never know who might be in there, you know. <laughs> uh, you know, uh, Sideshow Mel. Um, is that his name? Sideshow Mel or uh, whatever? Sure. Yeah, he's one of them. That's uh... Otto. Maybe Otto. Right. The, uh, you know, driving Sideshow Mel, that was uh, David Hyde Pierce, wasn't it? Yes. Went on there and did that. Just, uh, okay. Is it Cartoon Network? Is that what it's on? It's on Cartoon Network, yes, sir. Right. So why are we talking about Star Wars Lego, the Yoda Chronicles, or in the Billy D quote of the week? Well, obviously, Billy D. Williams is once again voicing the character of Lando Calrissian here in Star Wars Lego The Yoda Chronicles. The reason I know this is because they released a trailer earlier last week and at the very end featuring Lando as voiced by Billy D. Williams with a new nickname for Jedi Master Yoda. Check this out. Star Wars, The Yoda Chronicles, a special event, Wednesday, May 29th at 8, 7 central, only on Cartoon Network. It's all good, Greeny. Agreed. <laughs> Greeny. <laughs> Greeny. Yes, and Yoda responds to it. So all those years that uh, Luke was young, those, those long uh, training sessions on Dagobah where he was referring to Yoda as master and... Master Yoda, things along those lines. He could have just gone with Greeny, and that apparently would have been sociably acceptable by Yoda himself. Greeny. Hmm. Is this going to start a whole new trend? Like the Luke shorty robe? <laughs> Pop culture starts really affecting Star Wars in a way that we can't control, sort of like, it's a trap! Which is really spun completely out of control. I think I need to hear it again. It's all good, Greeny. <laughs> it's all I, good, saying, At first, I thought he was saying Grady. Uh, like <laughs> oh, a little yeah. homage to uh, Sanford and Son there, but uh, not Grady, Greeny. Not Granny, Greeny. There you go. Billy Deets. All good, Greeny. Nice. Hopefully, Yoda doesn't answer that right back at him and get in trouble. So hopefully we'll have some new contenders for the Billy D. Quote of the Week next week after we actually see Star Wars Lego, the Yoda Chronicles. I expect we'll be hearing uh, more dialogue coming from Billy D. Williams that is uh, typically on par with uh, these uh, Lego productions and uh, you know things like uh, calling Yoda Greeny. Never thought of that before. It's all good, Greeny. All right, uh, if you've got a Billy D quote uh, you'd like to send us, please do so at show at rebelforceradio.com, subject line, Billy D. Uh, Jimmy Mack uh, had a chance to catch up with a couple of Star Wars artists here recently at uh, C2E2, breaking bread with our man Grant Gould. Okay, we've moved to Artist Alley, and here we are with our old friend Grant Gould. 
How's it going, Grant? Good. How are you, Jimmy? Good. Having a good show? I'm having a great show. C2E2 is a wonderful show. You're always here every year. I am. I'm from Minnesota. Minnesota. Oh, yeah. This is a nice short drive for me. I love it. Oh, sure. You're darn tootin'. I've loved Chicago for my entire life. I don't know why. A lot of Star Wars fans in Chicago. Yeah, for sure. I'm sure they've been stopping by. Oh, yeah. Yep, been definitely. busy here. Uh, a lot of commissions you're working on in Ahsoka right now. I am. I've had, I think, four requests for Ahsoka sketches. Everyone yeah. still loves Ahsoka, and every single one of them brings up a conversation about how bummed they are that, you know, they're like, this can't be the end of the Clone Wars tale. You know, we got it. So everyone... Everyone is craving more, so let's hope that... Grieving, you say? Grieving. Yeah. Yes. How, about, how about you yourself? I Well, I, I, I'm kind of split because I love how Season 5 ended. I loved the... It felt great, but there's so many characters I want to see. You know, Hondo, Rex, you know, I just... I want to see more, but yeah. at the same time I thought that the final episode was a great conclusion. I mean, that just pretty much wraps up Ahsoka's tale as a Jedi. And sure, we don't know what happens to her. We don't know what happens to Rex. We don't know what happens to Hondo. But, I mean, let's face it, after Return of the Jedi, did we know what happened to Admiral Ackbar? Did we know what happened to Mon Mothma? You know, I was just talking to someone about this earlier. I do kind of like stories that don't answer every... We were talking about Lost. I was talking about Lost. Yeah. And, you know, the big complaint was they're like, there's so many things that, there's so many things that go unanswered. And, uh, you know, I don't mind my Star Wars having a few open-ended, you know, leave it to your imagination. You know? Agreed. Agreed. And that's where I think the void is going to be filled with the sequel trilogy and the standalone films and all that. I don't think we've had you on the show since all that went down. No, the last time I was on was like the third to last episode, I think. And probably. Yeah. And uh, of the old show. Right, and right. then we did have you uh, on the, Clone Wars Declassified. Yes, yes. yes. That's uh, what I mean, the Declassified for the third to last episode. Oh, I see what yeah, you're yeah, saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's all a blur to me, you know. Seven years of Star Wars podcasting. It's right, like, right, wow. Right, right, And thanks to you guys for always having me on. And oh, I yeah. actually had a guy swing by earlier, and he was, he was like, hey, I love hearing you on the Rebel Force Radio. And yes. I was like, those guys are awesome. We love to hear that. We love yeah. to hear that. And uh, you, you've always been a good friend of ours. And so... Um, so what do you think, you know, Star Wars sequel films? I am excited for Episode 7. Primarily, that's like my most, like, I'm dying to know more about that. I'm still, I, people are going to give me crap about this, but I'm, I'm on the fence about the whole movie every year thing. Okay. Because to me, I, I, no one loves Star Wars more than I do, but I just hope they don't go a quantity over quality route. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So We're not, all worried about I'm that, I think. I'm not going to judge it until I see it. But I'm just hoping that they're not just going to put out movies just for the sake of putting out an annual movie. So, Well, I think, obviously, we look at the Marvel formula that Disney has been behind. Right, right, right. And um, there's been relatively few hiccups along the way there. Right, right. You know, granted, those Incredible Hulk films sort of fell a little flat. Yeah, I like the second one. It's all right. <laughs> I, I like the second one, too. I, I hated the first one. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. sorry, but I did. I'm with I you did. there. I'm with you there. Ang Lee really missed the boat on that. Exactly. I agree. And, um, you know, I even like the Ghost Rider films. Yeah. I grew up on Ghost Rider, yeah, and yeah, I always yeah, thought yeah. it was great. And yeah, yeah. To see him get a couple films. So do you think they're going to do that kind of a thing where they have side movies with characters and then bring them all together? Yeah, yeah. I do. That would be And cool. I, I think that... There'll be elements to tie it all together. Right. Standalone films with episode seven, eight, and nine. Right. I'm hoping there is at least. I'll, I'll tell you one thing I want to see is I want to see a lot of new characters. I hope 
I hope the individual movies aren't just like Yoda's movie, Boba Fett's movie, yeah. you know, Admiral Ackbar's movie. It's like I want to see some new characters. I I don't know, maybe bring up some Clone Wars characters that we don't know what, you know. Maybe bring back Rex, give him a movie. Everyone loves Rex. So. It's wide open. But anyway, so I'm hoping it's not all just just giving us more of the same characters we already know. I would you know, give us give us new heroes, you know, even if it's like, you know, Han and Leia's kids or whatever they do. So the question of Han and Leia's kids have come up a few times on the show. And we are not jumping to the assumption that Han Solo and Princess Leia ever got together, you know, and, and got I married. Heard, yeah, I heard that. We have a tendency to think that it might not happen. I actually, I had never even thought about that until I heard it on you guys, on the show. I like that idea. I like the idea that they don't end up together. <laughs> it's it's kind of, it's a total twist. You don't expect that, you know. I've always been a little disappointed with the expanded universe and the fact that they concentrated on Leia more as a politician yes. as opposed yes. to a I potential totally Jedi, agree. right? Totally, because after a Jedi, you assume she's going to become this badass, yes. you know, Luke Luke's sister, the awesome Jedi. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of think that that's, there's a lot of potential in exploring that. I agree, I agree. I really thought that was the big message of Return of the Jedi, when Yoda says, pass on what you've learned. Yes. Well, yes. pass on to who? By the end of the movie, you realize... Sister is Leia. Agreed. That's who he's going to pass on his knowledge of the Jedi way. Yeah. He's going to pass it on to Leia. So. I will say, I, I, I hear rumor through, you know, totally, this is not, and this is rumor. Don't take it as anything more. But I hear that George loves Jaina as a character. Really? So I personally am fully expecting, maybe maybe not the other guys, but I think Jaina is going to be in the new movie. It's just a total prediction. Well, that's shocking. Uh, where have you heard this? Just through friends that work at Lucasfilm. Yeah, you just heard through that. the grapevine that... I, again, I didn't hear that he's putting her in the movie. Of course not. I just heard that she's kind of one of his favorite EU characters. Wow. So, yeah. I find that to be amazing because he has gone on the record... He doesn't like Mara. I know that. With his Mara yeah. J dislike. <laughs> yeah. And so I kind of felt like she was almost like the embodiment of the expanded universe beyond Return of the Jedi, that... Sure, he was saying he didn't like Mara Jade, but by doing so, he was making a statement about right, right, the direction right, in which right. they move those stories. Because, well, I mean, look, you know, he really liked Ayla. He thought she was a cool character, and look, yes. now she she went. Right. So, just a prediction on my, and I love Jaina too. So yep. I have never actually read the expanded universe stuff with the solo kids and everything, but no. you know, I know enough about Jaina. She's got a cool name. She looks cool. <laughs> I'm down with it, man. Well, you know, there's a lot of great elements to her character. She's um, an X-Wing pilot. Yes, yes. Um, she is a Jedi. We want to see sexy X-Wing pilots. Let's let's all admit this. Well, we know where your mind is at all times. But that's cool. <laughs> that's that's very interesting information to get, that George likes Jaina, from what you've heard. Yes. Very cool. So it, it could be possible that she's in some of those outlines he passed on to I hope so. I Michael hope so. Arndt and Kasdan and Kimberg and I hope so. all that. And I, I mean, again, you know, right now, as far as I've heard, they're not. I mean, I hear things from people who work for people who work, you know, like sure, the grapevine, the grapevine, the grapevine, you know. the Lucasfilm grapevine. I mean, as far as I know. You know, there's no script that's been written yet. Right. right now, they're still throwing around the ideas. Oh, I don't know about that. I think the script's been worked on. We're probably into... Well, what I imagine is they probably have a bunch of scripts that they mm -hmm. hired people to write, and now they're kind of picking elements that, you know, I, I think they mix and match, honestly. 
Well, specifically, uh, I think episode seven is well under the way. I don't think the script is done yet. Yeah. Again, you know, I hear through things through the grapevine, yeah, yeah. too. So. Well, and you're usually right, too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks. Uh, I try to be. Um, but, you know, I mean, I hear what everyone else hears. You got so much cool artwork here on this table, Grant. Thanks, man. Of course, your Ahsoka dominates yeah, the table. <laughs> every single show that Ashley's signing at, I get people that buy an Ahsoka print, and then they'll have her sign it and stuff. So that's kind of fun. Well, that's perfect. And there's a lot of things that, to me are prime indications of your artwork. You do use, like, very thick lines yeah, yeah. to outline your kind characters. Kind artwork, yeah. Yeah, but here's a Darth Vader yeah. that looks really different and amazing. It's almost out of focus. Yeah, I kind of, I, I really played with the the uh, the contrast, the colors, yeah. That's very interesting. I, most of my work, I, I draw it by hand, then I color it in Photoshop, so it's all, the colors are all digital magic. It's very diverse, and of course, your uh, James Bond Boba Fett mashup, uh, Quantum, Quantum of Sarlacc. Quantum yes. of Sarlacc, um, pretty popular piece. Yeah, that Quantum of Sarlacc is, has been my number one selling print for a couple of years now. And is that right? Everyone, I mean, a it's got Boba Fett. B it's a James Bond parody. So it's great. I'm gonna a- anyone that wants to see it, just go to my website or my DeviantArt page. Grant Go Boom is the name. Oh, great! We'll put the link up on our yeah, Facebook sure. page too, along with. Uh, some uh, shots of your artwork so people know what I'm talking about, yeah, especially sure. this Vader I find particularly striking. And I love this Return of the Jedi illustration of Luke Skywalker confronting Boba Fett. Yeah, you want to hear the fun story behind this? I do. This was originally going to be my Celebration 6 print, and uh, I submitted it, and they suggested I might want to do something else because there were already too many Slave Leias. Oh, I see. Yeah, so, she's right there you know, front and center. Yeah, so I so I decided to do a Clone Wars piece, and I'm glad I did because I think I had the only Clone Wars-themed print. So anyway, so that's what that picture's from. Luke Skywalker confronting Jabba the Hutt in the his court. Scenes. One yep. of the coolest scenes. One of the coolest scenes. Got Boba Fett, 3PO, Gamorrean Guard. Awesome. That's really great. That, those are yours, right? <laughs> Sorry. Thanks, man. So, got some customers coming up here to the table. Yeah. Can, so, can I plug this super fast? Yes, please do. I'm a quick plug. If anyone's into fantasy, like D&D type tabletop role-playing games, I just created my own game. I designed the system, wrote it, drew it, everything. Check it out at bladeraiders.com. If you like my Star Wars work, you might like that. So, Blade Raiders, fantasy role-playing. Yeah. This is great. You got the rule book right here, and this is a, a mythology you created yep, with yep. so many characters. Obviously, your work in uh, the Star Wars universe has given you sort of training to pay close attention to detail. Yeah, yeah. And it, this you know, one of my is detailed. Is another Lucasfilm movie called Willow. Willow, that yeah. Everyone loves. And I, I, mm-hmm. you don't know a bigger Willow fan than me, trust is me. Is that right? Oh, man. Um, and, of course, the Willow Blu-ray is out now. Yes, yes. And um, I was actually at Skywalker Ranch when they were working on the audio for the Willow really? Blu-ray. Very cool. And they were going into the archives and digging up some interesting uh, outtakes and audio reels and stuff. And Matt Wood found this mystery reel-to-reel tape. It was just labeled Tunisia 75. So he saw this. He goes, oh, i got to find out what this is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he instantly transferred the reel-to-reel to digital. Yeah. And what it was was a bunch of donkeys braying, you know. Ah, yeah. ah, ah. <laughs> and so he's listening to this going, oh, that's interesting. These must be like the donkeys or pack mules that they had bringing the gear down into the canyons yeah, and yeah, stuff. Yeah. And as you continue to listen, you hear it 
go into the classic Tuscan Raider battle cry. Really? It's a raw uh, donkey or a mule. I don't freaking yeah, know. Yeah, yeah. But, you know, doing that. And it, goes, it just goes right into it. As if Ben Burt just took it exactly, the exact recording. That's where it came from? That's where it came from. Wow. Unaltered. They, they timed it to match the Tuscan Raider attacking Luke yeah, and yeah, yeah. raising that gaffy stick over his head. And Did they bring this up on any of the Blu-rays or anything? Now, I told Matt, obviously the Blu-rays were already out at well, this yeah, time. Yeah, this yeah. was about a year ago. Yeah. And I asked Matt, I said, you know what, you got to play this audio for someone. For sure. And he said, well, maybe it's Celebration 6. That's, uh, you know, I, I'm like, that's a perfect idea. You should yeah. do that. So when we got to Celebration 6, I met up with Matt. We went out, had a few drinks. And I said, did you bring that audio? He's like, oh, I forgot. So he called his assistant, and I believe his assistant got it to him in time for his panel. Yeah. But I've never been able to confirm that. Because I missed his panel. It was up against my panel. The, uh, <laughs> we, we had a panel there, and uh, you know, timing is everything. Because I never yeah, yeah. miss. If Sky, anyone from Skywalker Sounds doing a panel, I always right. go. Because you always get some sort of information out of it. So then we're listening to the reel, and there's a splice. Yeah. We see the splice. And it goes into people talking. And what it turned out to be was Sir Alec Guinness's birthday. They were celebrating on the set in Tunisia. So you hear Alec talking. You yeah, hear yeah. George. The first voice you hear is a mystery voice saying, this is for publicity. Then it goes into Alec Guinness's birthday party, and they're drinking champagne. Did they sing him happy birthday? They sing him happy birthday. George goes, hey, that cake looks like a pizza. <laughs> you know, it's the wow. wildest thing, and it's crystal clear sound I'd quality. I'd love to hear Harrison Ford singing happy birthday. Uh, well, I don't think Harrison was out there. This was, uh, oh, you yeah, know. I suppose this is the, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is out in uh, Tunisia. I don't yeah. think Harrison shot anything sense. out there. But it was Sir Alec. It was a young, very young-sounding Mark Hamill. Oh, yeah. And, uh, he probably got into it, the song and everything, I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you hear Alec un- unwrapping gifts, and he, we think he got a hat. So we went online <laughs> looking for pictures of Alec Guinness's birthday on a set in Tunisia, and we found one photo where it's George Kurtz. Guinness and Hamill standing there with styrofoam cups, toasting, wow. and you hear all this on the actual yeah, audio, yeah, yeah. toasting Sir Alec for his birthday, and then um, we're trying to look around to see if there's any indication of things they're talking about. And at one point, he opens his gift, and Mark Hamill says, Alec Guinness, try it on, try it on, and it's it's apparently a hat, and so we see the hat sitting on a table whoa, there, whoa. and we're like, that must be the hat. What kind of hat? I got to know. It was just, just a, like a, like, I don't know what kind of hat. Yeah, but, just like a gentleman's cap yeah, or yeah, something. Yeah, 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 right, right. And so it was just like so cool to be sitting there at Skywalker Ranch listening yeah. to this unheard of piece of Star Wars history that Matt just found in the archives That's while looking crazy. for Willow stuff. That's so cool. So that's, a, you know, I mean, I, I, I feel so, so blessed that I I'm actually it. able to have those opportunities to, to be sure. exposed to things like that. And then, you know, hopefully Matt will have an opportunity to make that more readily available yeah, to the public. Sure. If, Isn't it crazy the things, just doing the kind of, you know, like the things that you guys do. Yeah. And, you know. It's been we, amazing. We all know that, you know, you guys deserve to be making piles of cash for what you do oh, but it's like, oh yeah but i mean you know you get to see such cool things and you know it's you're 
That's worth its weight in gold you're sometimes. You're really so. at the front of the line when it comes to experiencing cool stuff. It's, 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 awesome. it's all about the experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah, we, oh, God, never take it for granted ever. So. It's awesome. So uh, what do you got going on? Anything new in Star Wars? Uh, I do have a Star Wars thing coming up mm-hmm. uh, related to Tops. A Star Wars thing. I, I'm not allowed to say anything until it's announced in August, I think. So, yeah, look forward to that. I got you. Until then, I'll just be working on my Blade Raiders, you know, source books for the role-playing game and stuff. Yeah, I, I'm sure Blade Raiders has become something of an obsession for you. Oh, for sure. You I know? mean, it's, you know, it's kind of my, my baby, my pet yep. project. Oh, yeah. So. It's amazing that you've done all that work just on your own. It, it's, it's a lot of work, man. But, it's you know, it's kind of one of my bucket list things. It's like when I was a kid, I was like, I want to draw Star Wars. I want to make a role-playing game. Yeah. I want to make a movie. I've done two of the three. Okay, well. <laughs> so maybe I'll make a movie someday. Who knows? There you go. Well, so congrats on uh, all Thanks, your success man. with Blade Raiders Thank and you. Star Wars. Thank you so much, Always man. a pleasure to see you here in you Chicago. Too, man. We know the party's in the house you. when Grant Gould's here. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I was trying to think of something witty, but I, I'm just fried from this busy weekend, man. It's <laughs> well, good to see you. It's good you're busy. That's why you're here. Awesome. Take Grant Gould. Thanks a lot, man. star-studded show this week not only kyle newman but the lovely jamie king big thanks to both of them they're kind of like a royal family here in star wars with that with that fan baby on the way big thanks to them for joining us on the program and talking about return of return of the jedi if you haven't caught it you gotta go to ew.com and StarWars.com. Take a look at it. Sounds like the special edition as the time that this podcast goes out to the masses is already available at StarWars.com. Also, big thanks to the legend Steve Sansweet. If you're heading out to Celebration Europe 2, you've got to make sure you make a point to stop by Rancho Obi-Wan. You will not be disappointed do what it takes do not hesitate show no mercy get there to rancho obi-wan that exhibit is something that you'll unless you actually go to rancho obi-wan you'll never have a chance to see it again it's incredible ah it's late here in the palatial rebel force radio studios (laughs) i thought i heard that you hear that yawn here that I was trying to <laughs> pull it back. Anyway, the email address, if you'd like to play with us, is show at rebelforceradio.com. Uh, voicemail, if you want to leave us one of those, 708-320-1737 or 708-320-1RFR. Follow us on the Twitter at Rebel Force Radio, at Jimmy Mac Radio, and at Jason Swank. Our Facebook page, that's sort of the place. That's kind of a hub of... Uh, all the great conversation that we have surrounding the wars, as Jimmy Mack calls it, at facebook.com slash rebelforceradio. If you're into podcasts, no greater place to subscribe and review Rebel Force Radio than iTunes. So please make sure you click that subscribe button and leave us a review. We only have one rule. 
Make it good. And you can check out our archives of The Clone Wars Declassified as we pass the time until we are all back together breaking down each and every episode of Star Wars Rebels. Also, if you're into podcasts and you've got a portable media player or an iPhone or an Android device, something like that, check out the Stitcher app. Great way to download and enjoy your favorite podcasts like Rebel Force Radio. Our official website can be found going to rebelforceradio.com. We are proud to be part of the shotglassdigital.com network of shows. That website, once again, shotglassdigital.com. Rebel Force Radio is there. Clone Wars Declassified is there. Bondcast is there for you James Bond fans. Snyder Marks Radio, the other podcast Jimmy Mac does with his lovely wife, Wendy, and uh, occasionally cameos by the kids, Michael and Dylan, showing up. ADH Divas, another podcast from Wendy. And also Blackhawk Talk for you hockey fans. I bet Dave Filoni is a big fan of Blackhawk Talk. <laughs> I doubt it. It's not, it's not Penguins Talk. Right, right. Maybe you can get Dave to do the uh, the spinoff show. I bet he would love to do it if he had the time. If he had the time. He's too busy drawing TIE fighters and playing with toys. Doing his right. research. Yes, we need him to have all the yeah. time he needs to do that. This is true. This is true. And, of course, more programming coming soon. Again, all part of the Shot Glass Digital Network at shotglassdigital.com. That's going to do it for us, guys. We'll see you next week here for lots more conversation at at Rebel Force Radio Headquarters. Love you all so much. See you next time. For Rebel Force Radio, I'm Jason. I'm Jimmy Mack. And remember, the Force will be with you always. Greeny. Fun show. Hey, um, you want to go see that new Star Trek this weekend?